Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast. Before we get to our guests, special shout out to Cruise Consulting. We do all your startup accounting, startup taxes, and tons of consulting work, kind of whatever comes up, like financial models, budget actuals, maybe some state registration, sales tax, VC, due diligence support, whatever comes up for your company, we're there for you. 750 clients strong now, $10 billion in capital raised by our clients. I can't believe it. $2 billion this year. It's been a crazy, awesome year. So check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. And now on to our guest. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to cruise. Founders and friends, it's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Olm. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Michelle Valentine of Anrock. Welcome, Michelle. Great to be here. Awesome to have you. I've heard a lot about Anrock in the marketplace and from Cruise's team. And so I was excited to have you on the podcast. Likewise. Well, maybe you can start off just by kind of retracing your career and telling us how you had the idea to start Anrock. Yeah, maybe I'll go backwards chronologically. So yeah. I first came across the pain point of sales tax when I was on a run with a friend who was the head of finance um, of a company that I was working with at the time. And it blew my mind that uh, we had no idea where the customers were and we had this new pain point of sales tax that we had to deal with. And the more I dug into it, the more I realized it wasn't a problem specific to, to that company. It was something that all software companies were experiencing around the same time. So ultimately decided we, we could go build something better for the internet economy, which led me to Enrock. Prior to that, I was investing on the venture capital side. So really love working with fast growing technology companies. Maybe in some ways, um, the way that you love doing it at Cruise, I think I get a lot of energy from working with the underdogs that are building something new uh, and bringing something new to the market. And then before that, funnily enough, I started my career at Goldman Sachs working in the group that structured debt around tax revenue. So no oh, idea um, that I would be back in this space, but um, worked with the CFO um, of Atlanta, of Birmingham, many cities that oh, were using sales tax revenue. Kind of thing? Exactly. Did you work with Nea Patel by any chance? She was a classmate of mine in, in, from Kellogg that she she did that at Goldman Sachs. No that's, way. that's crazy. She was yeah, not yeah, yeah. part of my group at the time I was there. It was called she, PSI. I think, yeah, we might have either, I, we're a little older, I think, so we might have backdated you a little bit. That's really cool. That's such a small world. I remember listening to her stories about that and it was like really fascinating because all these municipal markets need to raise money and, and build, build infrastructure and things like that. That's super cool. So you've seen the side of taxes, of sales taxes, where the proceeds fund stuff and build things for municipalities and governments. And now, now you're on the helping collections and helping be compliant side of it, right? Yes. So in, there's like two ways in which I think I get uh, energy from this problem. I think yeah. on the one hand, helping innovative tech companies not have to think about it. If you think of what the sales tax system was created for, it was really the retail world. And so for a yeah. software company where they're selling all over the place, the customer is not in the same place where they have an office, it's a huge burden. And we can get into exactly of the dynamics, why that's so tricky. And so for me, my goal is to make sure that every software company doesn't have to think about it and we can assist them in focusing on their core business. And then yeah. on the flip side, as you said, this is real revenue that, that governments need. A lot of yeah. people don't realize this, but sales tax was introduced in the 1930s after the Great Depression. 
as a way oh, to help uh, local governments meet their rep like budget deficits. So it, com it comes from a good place, but it does uh, create a huge burden uh, for, for companies, especially uh, those in the digital world. Well, and you're right about the kind of retail sales tax, and then maybe spend a second on some of the new regulations that have come in, you know, three or four years ago that made it so that a lot of startups had to start worrying about this. Cause it used to be like, if you weren't, didn't have Nexus somewhere, you know, people, property, uh, assets, all that kind of stuff, you didn't really have to worry about it. But nowadays, like the, the game's kind of changed, right? That's right. So traditionally sales tax is based on where you have an office, a remote employee, a physical presence. Yeah. And so that's what you were alluding to called Nexus, which is a relationship with a state such that they can say, hey, you have a close enough connection to me that you now as a business need to go collect sales tax. And if you don't collect that amount from your customer, you as a business are still on the hook to, to pay yep. out of pocket. So traditionally, let's say you have a coffee shop and you're selling coffee. Um, having that coffee shop, that creates physical Nexus. Same yep. with selling a pair of shoes in a retail store, that creates Nexus. For a lot of companies based in California, having an office in California creates nexus, but the good news is that California doesn't tax software. So even though a lot of software companies based in California had nexus in California, they didn't have to think about sales tax. Yep, yep. So two things that changed. One is the rise of remote, which still falls in this physical nexus realm that yeah, we just talked yeah, about. Yeah. But the second that I think you were leading me to is this economic nexus concept that yep. was introduced in yep. 2018. So you know this, but for folks that are listening, no, tell the audience. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Ex it's. It changed everything. It probably really enabled your business in a way. To me, this was like the the unlock that blew my mind, uh, which yeah. was now software companies have to track revenue all across the U.S. and measure their revenue and sometimes number of transactions against state specific thresholds. So. This Supreme Court case in 2018 was called South Dakota versus Wayfair, and it allowed states uh, like the state of Washington to say, hey, if you sell over $100,000 worth of software in my state in a year, you now have to pay me a sales tax and collect it from yep. the customer. And yep. so this creates an ongoing monitoring problem for software companies. And sometimes the threshold is even uh, 100 or 200 transactions. I know, and it's you, crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can think of a transaction as a single invoice. So especially if you're a subscription business and you bill monthly, one customer, that's 12 transactions right there. So even small folks um, start needing to, to, think, to think about this. Uh, and, and that's a real pain. It's crazy. So like, I didn't know that sales tax was started like in the 30s out of the Great Depression, but we've seen the same thing where um, with Wayfair, where all these states are like, wait a second, we can start taxing, you know, stuff that maybe doesn't have nexus in our state, but has economic nexus. That's very, very interesting. And so we've seen like this huge jump in the need to be compliant across tons of states where you've never, your, your employees or your offices are never, never actually been. And you're right. Like the, the word unlock is a really good one because now sales tax is like much more talked about something we do a lot more at cruise because startups, who are generating revenue and maybe maybe not the first year or the second year but like the third year they're usually tripping some of these sales tax um thresholds and like you said it can be it can be not even dollar amounts it can be number of transactions which is super old school but it's life it's reality so so then anrock is born right like you you see this problem and and how do you attack it 
Yeah, good, good question. And just one last thing on what you mentioned. It's essentially governments waking up to the fact that a lot of the future economy is online. Right. Yeah. And so making yeah. sure that they, they're part of that, that story, too. So yeah. in terms of our approach, um, we do a few different things. So we connect into billing and payment systems. We have an API and we also have no code integrations into all of the, the popular software billing systems, payment systems. So NetSuite, Stripe, QuickBooks, Bill.com, Chargebee, uh, you name it. And you can integrate without code into these different systems. Uh, you can backfill and import your historical transactions and get a picture of what is your exposure footprint. Yeah. And yeah. one of the great things is we often partner with accounting firms like Cruise to walk through what are the results. And sometimes one thing you have to do in this process is also think about what is your product that you're selling? Is it pure cloud software? Are there services involved? Is it a security product where like there's like an additional state that taxes security software, but not other standard software? So that's the first step, connecting and monitoring and showing and quantifying that picture for you. After that, you decide you'll get registered. Our platform can help you do that in the app. And then we help calculate tax on every transaction. We fold those into returns and actually help remit uh, tax at the, the tail end as well. So our goal is to be the audit system of truth. So whenever um, you need to track what happened, that's that's something you can you can turn to. I love it. And before we turn on the mics, I was totally complaining and bellyaching about a specific pain point we have with our clients, which, which is like you're doing, I actually really like the monitoring aspect of Anrock. Like that makes tons of sense to me. And one of our issues is we have we have clients who never actually track or document or whatever you want to call it the the physical location of their clients, and so we'll get it we'll we'll have a lot of these conversations where we'll be like we need you know sales by state or we're digging into the sales tax stuff, and they can't produce it, and it always really bums me out. Maybe can you kind of like. Maybe, maybe validate what I'm saying a little bit here and talk about maybe some solutions or maybe some integrations that Anrock can provide. Yeah, so number one takeaway, if you take away one thing from this podcast is if you're not collecting customer addresses as a software company, you should be. Um, that's that's an easy thing to, to miss. Yes. So that's number one. Um, if you haven't in the past, there are ways to actually make up for it. Maybe I can spend a minute talking about the hierarchy of what addresses Please. you actually want. So yeah. the best case scenario is you have the ship to address um, on yep. the invoice. And even though you're not actually shipping a physical good in software, um, this is the best in, uh, address you can have. It might also be called the invoicing or bill to address as well. Yep. If you don't have that, um, you can look at the zip code. And sometimes that's something we can fetch from past transactions if it was a credit card transaction. So we can help automate some of that manual work that the team goes and tries to do with our accounting firms to, to figure out like what was missing uh, from that. So those are like hey, the- can I, can I interject for one second and maybe ask you a follow-up question, yes. which is, I think I know the answer to this, but you're way better at sales tax than me. Why is the ship to better than like maybe the corporate address or where the credit card was processed? Like what's what's behind that? Good question. There might be a few different things. I think at the end of the day, it's like the tax rate should be based where the customer is consuming the product. Yep. There's been some talk of, you know, maybe going down to even the IP address level one day, oh, wow. but yeah. it's a bit of a, a privacy issue. And um, if I had to make a bet, I probably don't think that will happen. Um, and so usually, especially if you're selling to a company, 
the corporate headquarters address is good enough, right? And maybe yeah. uh, your team is also remote and also distributed and maybe actually using the software somewhere else. Uh, yeah. But usually the, the corporate HQ is good enough, the one that is actually paying for the service. But the ship to is, is, is ideal because that's where it's being consumed and that the ship to address might be in a different state that has different sales tax rules than maybe the corporate HQ. Right. So that's why you're trying to get you, you kind of want to get it down to as like a fine, a fine of a figure as possible, because that's actually mo most accurate and it may actually be beneficial to you and the customer at some point, too. Right. That's right. Um, yeah. So uh, we we have an onboarding process that aims to make this very easy, where you can actually backfill historical transactions, see uh, what invoicing errors there might be. So if there are transactions that were not processed because of missing an address, we can actually surface that for you. And we can also help fetch um, old credit card um, zip codes as well. Oh, that's amazing. There was also something we were, we, you know, we were just kind of getting to know each other before we started hitting the record button here. But you had a really cool kind of feature, which I really liked, which made tons of sense to me. Do you want to explain that? It's like the fail versus, versus hey, we need more information feature? Yes. Uh, one feature we initially built for ourselves and we've now opened this up to our customers is a dashboard that allows you to see all the unprocessed transactions that might happen and allow the finance leader the power to debug and solve that. Usually it only comes up in the reconciliation process where they look at their billing and payment system, they compare it to their tax engine and realize, hey, we're a couple thousand dollars short here, what's going on, right? And then they try to email support, support uh, doesn't respond, you try to get someone on the phone and it's an awful process. Uh, and so what we've done is built a dashboard where finance leaders can see this in real time and be allotted um, that, hey, uh, you have a sales team that made a sale and they didn't collect uh, the correct address or um, there was something wonky about this transaction from this billing system. And so you can go into that in NROC, see it, debug the error and actually retry the webhook. So it's a bit of like a no code platform in some ways specific for the finance leader. It's really interesting because we do spend time where we can't get it down like as finely tuned as we want because of this issue. And I never, it's actually, and again, I'm not like a sales tax expert. So I just talked to our team is doing it. And my wife's a tax genius. So I hear these kind of things, but it's like, oh, if we just, if, if we just had a basket of transactions that we could then go dig this information up for, that would make it so much easier instead of having to exclude them or do a pro rata basis or mm -hmm. something, some type of rationale. So it sounds like ANROC can actually go back and dig that stuff up or you have access to the credit card transactions and can figure it out through the credit card like feed or something like that. That's right. And also, this is something that I cared a lot about when I was like building our, our model where um, I want startups, even founders, before you even have a finance team to be able to connect to ANROC for free and just let mm. us help you monitor like when you're starting to hire a remote employee in a state that taxes your product to tell you when you've actually crossed that transaction or that revenue threshold. Um, so we are free up until that point. And when That's you're really ready cool. and realize, hey, I actually need some expert advice, go call your accounting firm or like go reach out to Anrock and say, hey, like what exactly are the products that, like am I selling? Should I register for sales tax here? What is my strategy? Um, and that's the goal, right? To empower everyone to track it. So you don't have to worry and do this backfill and, and do all these, this like crazy adjustments that we were talking about. I wanted to make yeah. it really easy from day one. And that's why today we have a free product and it's only when you decide, Hey, I actually want to register an estate. Do you start paying for it? That's really smart. That's a really smart freemium approach to it. That's really cool. Good for you. It's a really great idea. Where are you uh, folks as a company? Like, is, and I know you raised some venture capital. 
Are there any like milestones you passed that you're especially proud of or how, how are you tracking here? Yes, uh, we're in growth mode. So super excited. Our products out there in the market. We have unicorn companies on us. Uh, so uh, really looking to actually grow the team um, and grow the business. Hey, it's Scott Horn at Cruise Consulting, taking a quick pit stop to give some of the groups at Cruise a big shout out. First up is our tax team. Amazing. They can do your federal and state income tax returns, R&D tax credits, sales tax help, anything you need for state registrations. They do it all. And we're so grateful for all their awesome work. Also, our finance team is doing amazing work now. They build financial models, budget actuals, and help your company navigate the VC due diligence process. I guess our tax team does that too on the tax side, but the finance team is doing great work. And then, you know, I think everyone kind of knows our accounting team is pretty awesome, but want to give them a shout out too. Thanks. And back to the guest. This world of sales tax is, you know, you're, you're, you are super knowledgeable, by the way, like you're kind of know way more than me. Has there any been like any kind of, uh, weird or wonky or funny things you discovered like, oh my gosh, what about this? Or what about that? Like the fu funny things that a non-tax person in the audience would, would think was amusing. Yeah. So we have an amazing tax team in-house um, and we actually have two funny channels in Slack. One is called hashtag is this SAS? And then the other one is called <laughs> hashtag lol at sales tax. And so in the first channel, we drop in, um, it's usually sales drops in inbound or, or um, companies that, that are interested in us. And we're like, hey, by the way, is, is this SaaS? Can they use NROC? Um, and then the, the second channel is we had a question where um, it was a software company and they had a remote employee that was doing a road trip around the US in their RV. Oh, God. And they yeah. wanted to ask whether do they have physical nexus in all of in these, all these states. states. Oh, so God. it's those are some of the funny questions that come up. Yeah. On the is this SaaS one, that's a really interesting point because you're and you've done a great job of this of like being highly focused on software as a service customers and you know, software companies. Would you ever go into like e commerce or things like that? Or is it just like, hey, we're software people and that's what we're going to focus on for a very long time? We do SaaS and digital goods. And there's a oh, few reasons okay. for this. Um, I think number one, is that software tends to have the most complex subscription model, right? It's yeah. recurring. Uh, you might prorate down to the minute or the second you add a user. It might be volume metric billing. So you need a tax engine that keeps up with these changes. And that's mm -hmm. like one thing that we saw was like missing in the market was a, a tax engine that could do this. So like that was like number one. And to me, I care a lot more about building financial tools for this user than to try to do every type of sales tax under the sun. Yeah, that's and cool. Then, and then the second thing that I think it helps us is we end up being much more accurate for SaaS, given that focus. So I'll give yeah. you one example. Cloud software is a more controversial product to tax, right? Is it tangible and non-tangible good? A lot of governments still don't really quite know how they want to tax software. It's not like a cup of coffee or a pair of shoes where it's not very controversial if you want to tax yep, yep, a, yep. a pair of shoes. But in some places it is quite uh, controversial to tax cloud software and maybe it falls under data processing services, right? Like in Texas and yep. where these edge cases come up and why it impacts SaaS accuracy is that taxability of a product is usually defined at the state level. 
And if the state yes. says yes, something's taxable or not, all the cities and all the special purpose districts that usually get their slice of the sales tax pie can only apply the rate, right? They can't um, determine if it's taxable or not, but they can add a little rate so everyone gets their like 1%, 0.5%, um, and, and the, those little things add up. I'm only laughing because I flash back to like, I joined Cruise seven and a half years ago, and I was sitting next, we were a four person company. So like, I remember sitting next to Vanessa, who's the founder of Cruise is my wife, Vanessa Cruise. And she had a spreadsheet with exactly what you're talking about. I think it was on a county basis, but it was like the county basis of California. And it was all these little like $12, $50, $75, $200 breakdowns, exactly what you're talking about. Like every county was getting the slice of the action. Sometimes right? it's a fraction. Yeah, it was crazy, it's, right? It's and I remember being, that was like literally maybe the first sales tax thing I saw, but like, that's how fine-tuned it is. But it also lends itself to automation really well. So that's that's one of the things that's super cool about what you're doing. That's right. Just, just changing gears a second, because you were talking about how you used to work in Metro Capital. Did you have any like surreal moments as you were pitching the company? Like you're sitting on the other side of the table all of a sudden, you know? Like, what was that like? Were you just like, I know all your questions, I know all your tricks, or were you like more nervous or what it feel like to do that? Definitely more nervous than I, initially anticipated. I, I remember I pitched my old firm that I used to work at and I had no idea, but they had prepared everyone to join the call or like what felt like everyone uh, jumped awesome. on that Zoom yeah, call. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a great moment. Um, and I think the other, other thing that I, I didn't realize until you're actually in this seat is there's a huge sense of urgency when you're doing a fundraise. Uh, and as a founder, it's really hard to main, maintain control over the speed, um, a venture capitalist will like try to get you to accept their term sheet right away and just making sure that, hey, like, yes, I'm really excited about you, but I want to finish the process. Just like making sure that uh, d despite how excited you are and despite the craziness, um, you're doing what's best for you and best for the company. Yeah. Uh, the urgency feeling is really real. Um, and yeah. that there are ways in which um, really great investors know how to make you feel that. Totally. I have some great stories of like, I think it is, they may be an investor in your company too, like Sequoia not letting uh, a founder team that, that I know leave leave Sequoia, <laughs> like keeping them there for like eight hours, just to kind of get them like, it was like a college football recruiting trip or something like that kind of thing. But the other, the other thing that people don't always realize is it's a sales process from their perspective. Once they decide they want to invest in you, they, they see you and Anrock all of a sudden they're putting on their sales process and really trying to convince you to take their money. I mean, that, that must've been pretty interesting to, to be on the other side of that, right? We've been really lucky. Both our seed and series A rounds were co-led by both Sequoia and Index. Yeah, so what awesome. was great was we've been working with the same people since the beginning. They have like yeah. huge skin in the game. Um, we haven't had to go shop around um, and, and meet a lot of people. And that's been really, really lucky to, to have them um, on that's the amazing. journey. That's great. I just would, I was like thinking how I would, it would be, it would make me more nervous. Cause I would be like, what, what crazy question have they been keeping up their sleeve for the, you know, all those years I was working with them and uh, they, I never heard the mask and now it's going to surprise me. Uh, that's great. Well, you've got, you built a really cool company here. I'm really excited for you and timing, timing's everything in life sometimes. And you're hitting this market right when sales tax is becoming so much more important and people are thinking about it. And I hope people listen to this podcast and also develop some of the good financial hygiene of like tracking where your customers are, using a CRM system, you know, all these things that will make life so much easier. And hopefully they'll they'll be working with Anrock too. 
Yeah. And I, I think the one thing that I want to remind folks, it's, it's solvable, right? It might feel scary when yeah. you first realize, oh my gosh, 5% of my revenue should have been uh, collecting sales tax um, and now I have to pay out of pocket. And, and that can feel very overwhelming and very scary, but the sooner you deal with it, the sooner you're making sure that the next, you know, 10, $20 million of revenue that you're going to make, you're not going to take that like 5% haircut. So it's definitely solvable. And in the, in the long term, it'll pay dividends. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, for us, we're constantly telling people to, um, like you, like you're saying, the earlier you deal with it, it just makes scalability and growing so much easier and you're not playing catch up. That is like the big, there's nothing more exhausting than playing catch up or spending time on something that could have been solved a year before if you just would have taken a little bit of time. So I'm, I'm totally with you. We're super yeah. aligned on that. And I think there's a world in which like when you go buy that cup of coffee, you'll, you would always expect to pay sales tax as a consumer, right? You would never like not, if you saw it wasn't there, it usually feels quite strange. And I think we'll get into a world where that'll be the case in, in software, just like as yeah. a, an employer, right? As a founder, I would make sure that I uh, withhold federal income tax from day one. And the well, same thing with sales tax, right? From day one, when I make revenue, I'm going to be sales tax compliant. You're totally right. And it becomes normalized because everyone sends out the notification. All the big SaaS vendors send out the notification saying, we're collecting sales tax now. You're going to see a different number on your invoice and all that kind of stuff. So well, yeah, it's totally getting normalized. It's funny. One, one last comment on that. Um, I sometimes talk to, to finance leaders that actually get, instead of getting an audit that makes them want to become sales tax compliant, it's when they sell to a mature customer. When they have really big customers oh, that yeah. are used to paying sales tax because they're based in Boston. Because they ask. Right? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, hey, yeah, how yeah, come yeah. there's no yeah. sales tax on my invoice? Right? And it's a sign to more mature companies that, hey, I've sold to a mature company before. You're not my first like $1 million contract. <laughs> the other one is when you're raising a big round of venture capital and the, the accounting firm that the VC hired to do diligence on you is asking you that question. Yes. What states have you registered in and are you collecting sales tax or admitting it? And that's a wake up call for a lot of founders too. So yeah, you're in a rear, I'm, it's really great to meet you. And like I said, I heard really good things about the product. Um, maybe you can just to wrap up here, maybe you can tell everyone where they can reach out and how to get in touch with you on about Anrock. Yeah. So number one, if you're a founder or finance leader that has learned something from this and you're like, hey, I want to explore, see if there's like maybe even just want to quantify your exposure, um, reach out to us at anrock.com. Um, it's easy to book a demo. It's easy to also like learn more about us on there. We also have great like blog posts as well. Um, or you can talk to your accountant. And often we work with uh, accounting firms who, who use us as well. Uh, number it. two, I'd say we're hiring. So um, if you're an engineer, salesperson, designer, we are hiring across the board in, in many different roles. So um, that's also on our website too. And then the last thing I would say, um, yeah, I just wanted to give a little shout out to my team. It's been like, yeah, uh, an amazing uh, few years and excited for, for the next stage of growth with them. That's really cool. And yeah, the team is everything in startups and I feel the same way about the cruise team. So, well, good for you. Great, great meeting you. I think everyone should check out Anrock. Thanks for your time, Michelle. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. All right. Bye-bye. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise from Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Olm.